Good morning again. Scripture reading today is out of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. It says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for bringing us all here this morning Uh, for the fellowship we're able to experience, Lord, and also for your word that we're able to read and learn from. Lord, we thank you for your guidance today. Lord, we thank you for sitting here with us. We thank you for comforting those who need to be comforted, Lord, and encouraging those who need encouragement. Lord, we thank you for building us up. And Lord, this morning I ask that you work with us and you challenge us to grow even closer to you through your word, Lord, through your truth. Lord, I ask you be a part of every single part of this service for the rest of this morning. Lord, that you go with us as we go to our homes, as we go to eat, as we take care of uh, different things that are being done today, Lord, that you go with us everywhere we go and that we honor and praise you in all we say and do. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How's everybody's week going? Pretty decent? Pretty good? I put it, there it is. This is, this is me wasting time so I can drink, so, you know. It's good. This is an exciting week in my house. It's probably an exciting, was an exciting week for many of you last week. My kids are going to school tomorrow. I think I'm the most excited in the house. uh, We were just talking to our fantastic teacher who happens to be a member here as well. Thank you, Miss Megan. Um, And she told us, oh, yeah, most of the time kids get sent home and, man, they are super tired. And I was like, you had me yet. They were gone all day. I will take they come home tired. That's icing on the cake. No, I'm super excited. We're all extremely nervous all at the same time, too, but they're going to have so much fun. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure everyone else who started school this last week is just having the most fun time. Am I right? Right, Waylon? I know you are, man. <laughs> it's an exciting week. It's an exciting week of new things that seem super familiar. Right? I spent a lot of time in school. You know, I have a master's degree. So I, I spent a lot of, like, Septembers and Augusts getting ready for school and going back and getting used to something. 
And I feel like sometimes we can get that way with God's word, too. Oftentimes we like to uh, use metaphors for what God's word is like. Right, you've heard, show of hands, you've heard God's, God's word is like a, a love letter. The Bible is our love letter from God. You've heard that one? Yeah. Who's heard God, God's word is like a toolbox, right? It has all the tools in it and we just have to use them, right? We've heard that one. You know, the Bible actually has a number of these as well. It says that the, God's word is like a double-edged sword. It says it's a revealing mirror. That it's nourishing milk. It's a lamp unto our feet. We've heard all these things. And I'm sure maybe you guys even have another one that, that you like to use that, that means something to you. Well, for these last few weeks, I've been thinking about this. And really, I've, I've come to the understanding, to the thinking that I really feel like the Bible to me is like a map. You know, you have a map, it tells you where everything is. Uh, if you use it correctly, it'll get you where you need to go. Good maps will tell you where issues are. You can open up your phone nowadays and it'll tell you where there's accidents. Uh, I'm sure there's apps that tell you where the police are sitting. Um, it'll get you around all of the issues, right? A good map will tell you where the problems are and how to get around them. So just like God's word, where it tells us where the issues are and how to get around them. And sometimes it'll tell you, I'm sorry, there is no better way, but I'll get you through this. I don't think a map ever tells you that way with like heartfelt emotion, but it's the same idea. So a map will tell us how to avoid those things, but it also tells us how to get to our ultimate goal. Just like scripture will tell us how to get to our ultimate goal. And as I say that, my guess is a few of you are thinking to yourselves, oh, it'll tell us how to get to heaven. Yes, yes it will. But while we're here, did you know that that's not our ultimate goal? It doesn't really make sense. You'd think, especially coming from a pulpit, the biggest thing in our entire life would be when we get to go to heaven and see Jesus. To meet Jesus for the first time. To completely realize the fullness of God's grace. That's not our ultimate goal. Matthew 21 at the, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 21, at the very tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells everybody, uh, my actual true disciples are those who do the will of God. And only those will actually make it to the kingdom. So you see, it's not just having the map and knowing where your destination is. It is actually going through the actions it, you don't get to where you need to be just by knowing where it is. I know where my house is. I'm not going to get there unless I take several steps from here. Knowing everything about where we're going and how to get there doesn't get us to where we need to go. There are some steps. So what are those steps we need to take? And as the Bible is our map, we're going to keep talking about that metaphor how to use a map. 
That's the sermon title for this morning, How to Use a Map. I love maps, by the way. In, in my car, even though I use my phone's GPS to get me just about everywhere, I have maps of like 15 states in my car, most of which I've spent all of four hours in. And I stayed on the same highway. There's no need to have those maps, but I love maps. And I don't know why. I think, is it like, is it a, a men thing? Other men here, are you fans of maps? No? You just, I'll just drive. We'll get there. Not going to stop and ask anybody. We're just going to go. And what we find will be an adventure. And I brought a pocket knife, so we're fine. <laughs> See, the first thing in order to use a map effectively that we have to do is we actually have to remember where we're going. Right? You have to remember where you're going. You can look at a map all day, and if you don't know where you're actually trying to get to, you're never going to find where you're going. It seems like common sense, but think about this. Oftentimes, especially when we first moved here, there were several times where folk were like, oh yeah, we just live up over the hill and across the river, and you know, you'll, you'll turn at the goat, and there you are. I'll say, I, don't, I don't know where any of those things are. I understand every one of those words separately, but not together. So I have to remember where we're going. You have to have an understanding of where we're trying to get to. See, our life can become really busy. Who's had a busy week? Who's planning on having more busy weeks? They're going to happen. They happen a lot. It can be really confusing. It can become really easy to start to put great importance on a lot of things that really aren't all that important. My wife loves to get on me about this. When we're trying to like, get a bunch of things done and I get stuck in one task and she comes over and just like moves something slightly and I go, oh, I guess that's all I needed to do. She goes, you have such a way that it just, it has to be done this way. And if you can't do it that way, you get so confused. And it's done. I've put way too much importance. Oh, it should be done that way. Well, there's like a hundred other ways to do it. And all other 99 ways to do it are so much faster. It's so much easier. But I've put so much importance on, oh, well, I, uh, that's how I have to do it. And I haven't thought of how else it could possibly be done. So I lose focus on the greater picture, on the rest of the list of things to do that day. We lose sight in a busy life. We lose sight of the ultimate goal. I'm going to keep reminding us that ultimate goal that Jesus told us in Matthew 7.21 is to do the work of God. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, uh, But don't just listen to God's word. You must also do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. If you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means 
caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What he's saying is, don't forget who we are and what we are trying to accomplish. Come back to God's word if you need to. If you forget where you're going, pick the map back up. Take a look. Come back to the solid teaching of the Bible. Come back to the solid teaching of godly people. Don't forget where you're supposed to go. That's the first thing. And that leads us to our second. If you find that you have veered off the trail, we need to course correct. What I also said is we also need to look up. Have you ever watched any videos of people on their phone, like walking through public areas, and they're just a disaster? The whole, like walking into traffic and they don't even realize it. You know, running into things. It was my absolute favorite thing that I, it was years and years ago, and it was before I even had a cell phone, so I was just laughing at people who were on their cell phones and they would like fall into fountains in the malls. Is there... If you don't look up from your map, you're going to run into things. So we can sit all day in our Bible. We can read all day in our Bible. But if we don't look up, you're not going to go anywhere. You've got to look up. We need to take inventory of where we are. What direction are we looking? See, we can have all of the best intentions, but we could be missing something at the same time. See, if you're following a map and you never look up from the map, we are going to run into things. You're, you're going to put yourself in traffic. You're, you might hit a few trees. You might fall in a creek here or there. But the biggest thing we have to remember is if we don't look up, we take ourselves out of the work we're supposed to do. First John chapter 2 says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you as a new commandment that is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am the light, while hating a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister uh, abides in the light. And in such a person there is no cause for stumbling, but whoever hates a brother or sister is in the darkness. They walk in the darkness and they don't know the way to go because the darkness has brought on blindness. We can have all the great intentions, but something just as simple as, if you hate somebody, you've got some work to do. I was actually, I was just watching a documentary. Um, do you, anybody know who Manti Teo is? Have you heard the name? As a football player, just retired a little bit ago. Uh, he played for Notre Dame for like, for four seasons was a Heisman candidate, 
was like the best linebacker in the nation when he came out of high school. He was the best linebacker in college the whole way through his entire career. He was going to be drafted, like first round kind of thing. He, he was big news. And he played his, his last few games under the thought that his grandmother and his girlfriend died on the same day. And he played with such emotion and he played with such inspiration. Uh, his whole team rallied around him. They went undefeated and then ran into Alabama in their last game and lost horribly. But everyone rallied around this man. And then it came out that his girlfriend wasn't real. It was a very, very weird situation. And I can remember this situation as it, it actually happened, I believe, in about 2011, 2012 is when it all came out. And I can remember thinking, wow, what a horrible person that he would make something like that up. What a terrible, awful person. So you can, you can have all of the great intentions of everything, of, of getting, accomplishing something amazing, doing something fantastic. And you can mess it up real bad with one oversight. And you think I'm talking about him at that point, but I'm talking about myself. Because that's the story that I took. And that's the story that I ran with. And that's the story that I said, you see what getting too far away from Scripture becomes. That is deception and it is awful. Shame on him. Look at me. How not deceptive I am. I, I just now have learned the whole story. It's, there's a term called being catfished. There was somebody online, now this is at the very, very beginning of social media, nobody knew anything about how the, any of this worked and nobody really understood the depravity of some others. And there was another individual who decided, I'm going to make up a person, I'm going to feign issues, fake problems, and I'm going to get this person to fall in love with me. That's what happened to Manti Teo. It was another teenage boy who pretended to be a girl, who, got, who used other people's pictures, other people's life events, other people's problems to get Manti Teo to care so much for this person he's never met. They never went on one date. They never met each other once. And he cared so much for this person who wasn't real, he didn't know. And he, he told everybody, I have, a, I have this person in my life who I care deeply about, and they're going through leukemia, and they're fighting it, and they've been in car accidents, and they're fighting it, and that inspires me to fight. And it was all a lie. And here I was, placing blame on the wrong person the whole time. And then I watched this documentary, and I heard about this other individual, and I went, Oh, terrible, how awful you are. Guys, I still haven't course corrected. 
instead of yelling and screaming and stamping my feet about how awful that person is and how much better I am than them and how, oh, I would never do such a thing. And if anybody I ever knew did such a thing, oh, the wrath I would incur on them. Instead of looking into this person and saying to myself, my goodness, you need Jesus. My goodness, you need to be loved. I got taken back. One of the first things this individual said, because they grew up in a Christian family. They were, they were part of the worship team in their own church. The first thing he said is, I just kept waiting for God to save me, and he never did. That person is living a lie. They're living a deception. And the true tragedy, the true tragedy in all of that is that myself, somebody like me, looks at that situation and says, that person is hopeless. That person is not worth my love. That person is not worth my second thought. That's, that's the tragedy. That's when we need to look up from our map and say, I've wandered into the woods and I am way off the trail. Got to come back to the trail and you can't do that until you've looked up and you've taken inventory of where you are. So yes, we need to remember first where we're going. Second, we need to course correct. We need to put our head up in those moments where we find that we have wandered off. And lastly, we need to move. Again, if you have a map and you know where you're supposed to go, you could even be on the right road. You could be on the right path. You could be looking the right way. You could have everything you need, but if you don't put one foot in front of the other, you're not going to go anywhere. You have to move. We read our Bibles a lot in this church. We have, we have Bible studies uh, for almost every single age group, just about. We have small groups that go through all kinds of stuff that are all based in our Bibles. We have Sunday school classes, always, with our Bibles open. We have sermons that have our Bibles open. I just talked about Awana. That whole thing is about teaching the Bible. It's about getting us to memorize Scripture. And even during that, we have a Bible study that goes on for any parents that might come out. We are in our Bibles a lot here. And I love it. It is so good. We have to be. Because this is our foundation about what we know about who God is and what God wants from us. We have to know it. It is important that we study it. But my goodness, if that's all you do with it, you might as well be reading Cosmo. Now, please understand, I'm not telling you to go read Cosmo instead of the Bible. But I am telling you, if you're not using what we're teaching, if you're not using what you're learning, there's no point in it. And that goes for everything, everything you've ever been taught in life. It's not different for the Bible. 
You go and you start a new, a new job and they teach you all that entire job and you don't do anything with it, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be looking for a new job. That was scripture reading today in, in Hebrews chapter 5. I'll read just a, few, a little bit of it again. He says, there is much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. I'm going to read that one more time. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. What he's not saying is you ought to be up here where I am, thumping the Bible and telling everybody about it. My father-in-law, who's sitting right here. Hi, Dad. He's going through something. He's writing notes. He's told me several times, and he probably got it from somebody else, and that's fine, but I'm going to attribute it to you because that's who I heard it from. He has said, preach the gospel every day, and when necessary, use the Bible. Because you see, if you're not living it, if you're not showing this to others through the way you live, through the way you interact with them, through your relationship with them, then it is worthless. It's meaningless. Because they're going to look at that and go, well, that's no different. I'm, that life is no different than mine. So what keeps us from actually moving, actually living out what we have read in our scriptures? I, I came up with two things. I'm sure there's many others. It's, it's, we're all very individuals. Uh, we all have different ways of, of operating in our lives. We all have very different ways of, of mentally going through a lot of things. But I came up with two. So this is more about me than it might be about you. But maybe you can relate. The first thing is doubt. Doubt might keep us from moving. Oftentimes they say, man, this world needs the gospel. How am I going to reach the world? I've presented myself with a very impossible task, and so I say, well, there's no reason to start. Or we'll tell ourselves, you know, I don't, I don't actually think I know enough to start that conversation. I've been through Awana, I've been through Sunday school, I go to Bible studies, I go to youth, I've been through young adult Bible study, I've assisted with Awana, VBS, I've come to adult Bible study, I'm part of a small group, I come Sundays. You don't know enough. What have you heard? You know enough. I'm going to empower you. You know enough to love somebody. Nobody who's searching for Christ is going to ask you about, well, can you explain to me the Trinity, though? That doesn't really make much sense. Nobody's going to ask you about post-millennialism, because nobody knows what that means. What they're going to ask you is, but how could God possibly accept me? And your very simple answer will be, because I do. And if I can accept you, 
Lord knows he can. Maybe something else that keeps us from moving is our own comfort. Man, am I guilty of this. We might think we'll look a little foolish. Or, or maybe even worse, we're pretty content with how comfortable our couch is. Now, I'm pretty content with my level of interaction. I'm pretty content with how much I've done. I think I've done enough. I think we're good there. We often will just say, you know what, I'll pray for that. That's good. That'll take care of it. You know, the people at my, my school, or the people at my work, or the people in my life, they know I'm a Christian. That's, if they have questions, they can come and, and ask. See, it's, it's great to pray for somebody, but when's the last time we prayed with them? It's, it's great to tell somebody that you're a Christian and that you go to church, but when's the last time you invited them? It's great to go to every single one of those Bible studies. It is fantastic, and I'm so glad we do it. I am so glad we have the fellowship that we have here. When's the last time we did anything with it? I think uh, the first time I spoke to the youth, we had a campfire up here. I talked about the Good Samaritan. Um, anybody in the youth remember that at all? Remember, remember me talking about the Good Samaritan? I have like three heads shaking. <laughs> One of the first things I asked them is, who knows, who could tell me the name of your neighbor? And I don't, I don't want to make you feel bad because ask me if I know the names of my neighbors. Klinger Lumber. That's... <laughs> I, I, know, I know them. <laughs> Gosh, I am, I am shamed by my wife who goes out on walks and hopes she sees people outside. She's seen so many houses on our road, the inside of them, it's, it's ridiculous. She comes back and says, oh, so I met so-and-so and knows their life story. Do you know what they get from me when I walk by? I'm usually holding a coffee mug and I go, eh. <laughs> they, know, they know me as the guy who walks around with a coffee mug and yells at his dog to stay out of their lawn. That's what they know about me, but they all know my wife. And then they meet me and they, they say things like, I'll tell you what, your wife is something else. We, we have a fantastic little old man who lives uh, just a few, few houses down. His last name is Nice. So we just call him Mr. Nice. That man has stories on stories. He probably knows all your grandparents. He's been in, in that house since like 1915, something ridiculous like that. He flies planes. He owns a Studebaker. Who owns a Studebaker anymore? <laughs> the stories that man has. 
And up to that point, all he ever got out of me was, hmm. And now when we walk, we go up and we're just walking around with the kids, they take their scooters out, they go, hey, can we go see if Mr. Nice is out? We want to go talk to him. Because you see, guys, it's not always just about the soul of our neighbor, which, by the way, is still extremely important, but it is also about what we are doing. Because what we do affects the people around us. They see it. It influences them. If all I do is sit on my couch, what do you think my kids are going to do? If all I ever do is just nod, what do you think my kids are going to do? If all I ever do is ignore everyone on my street. What do you think they're going to do? We'd go a whole lifetime without even seeing each other, without even knowing their name. We have to ask ourselves, what will it cost us to move? You're going to give up some comfort. You're going to give up Maybe some image. Gosh, that was so big in high school for me. I've told the youth this many times. People would hear me talk and laugh and joke, and they'd say, I thought you were uh, like a Christian. Weren't you in like Students for Christ? And I'd say, yeah, but I'm not a good one. Mm. It would cost me. It would cost me that image. Because I was too afraid to tell them, lest they think differently. I worked really hard to get the image that I wanted in high school. So we ask ourselves, what will it cost us to move? There's an even greater question. What will it cost us to not? Mark 11 Throwing a lot of scripture at you guys, and that's great. I hope, hopefully you wrote it all down. You can go back and listen to this, because I want you to go back and read these things again. But Mark chapter 11, verses 12 and 14, uh, you guys would recognize it fairly well. It's Jesus curses the fig tree. He goes to look for fruit on the tree. He doesn't find any. And it even, even Mark says it wasn't the time... For figs, they're, they're not going to grow at this time. And Jesus looks at that tree and says, curse it. You'll never grow fruit again. And it never did. Uh, it just wasn't Jesus being vindictive. It wasn't Jesus being a petulant little child who just really wanted a fig newton. That was Jesus pointing something out. The trees that don't bear fruit won't. In the same way that God has told those with a reprobate mind, have at it. Have what you will. You'll have the consequences to go. The same way he will tell us, I've given you everything you need. I've given you every gift. I've given you every blessing. 
And if you're not going to bear fruit, fine. Then you'll live with the consequences for that. And guys, I, I don't want it to sound like God is just waiting for us to not use the gift so he can hit us with a hammer. But what he is telling us is, your relationship with me is the most important thing you will ever possess. And if you're not going to work on it, then you're going to lose it. Husbands and wives in here, you know you don't work on that relationship, it's not going to go well. You're going to turn around one day and look at your partner and go, I don't know who you are. You can say that for every single relationship in your life. I have countless friends that I don't talk to anymore. They're not friends. That relationship is done. We've moved on. These are people I knew from middle school, high school, college even. You stop talking to them. You stop working on that relationship. It's not a relationship anymore. In the same way, we can sit here and read through Scripture, but as we look at it, and it keeps telling us to go and do, that's how you work on it. Because it's truly, it's not the knowledge of what Jesus has done that saves us. It's us acting on it. It's on us believing. It's not the knowledge of God's word that makes it work for our lives. It's acting on it. It's not the knowledge of the Bible that will bring good and lasting change to our world that will give our lost friends and family members a chance to experience what life-changing grace God's kingdom has for them. It'll be us acting on it. So you can hold your map. You can read your map. You can study your map. You can know your map front to back, back to front, left to right, up to down. If you don't move, you're not going to go anywhere. That is our challenge for not just our own lives, but for this church, for every church in this county, state, country. Know our maps and go. And it's simple enough. Start simple. I'm not telling you to go and teach everybody every single aspect of theology to take an entire book of systematic theology that's probably 1,500 pages and get them all to understand it. No, I'm telling you to go love your neighbor. And that's it. 200 people in here, we all go love our neighbors. You got one on either side. I can jump over clinger lumber. There's somebody else there. There's two right there. We're up to 600 people already. That's how the kingdom of God works. 
Don't worry about how much they know about the Bible or Scripture or anything else. We've got enough resources here to teach them anyway when they're, when they're through believing, when they're through understanding how much God loves them, when they're through understanding what Christ did on the cross for them. Then we can teach them that 1,500-page systematic theology. It's, um, that's not bringing anybody through these doors, by the way. Nobody wants that. I went to school to study it. I didn't want that. That's it, guys. Go and do. The writer of Hebrews talks about gaining a deeper understanding. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying, well, let's read deeper into our maps. He's saying, you know what you need to know. Go. You ought to be teaching this by now. And when necessary, use the Bible. And that's it. So remember where we're going. Course correct when we need to. And good Lord, let's move. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you. We thank you for your word, your truth, your grace, and your love for us, Lord. These things that we would not get through one day without. We would not get through one minute or second without. Lord, I ask that you would empower us. You would remove all doubt from us. Lord, that you, you would make being comfortable to us so uncomfortable. Lord, that we would have no other option but to move. Lord, put on our hearts baby steps that we could take to start to show the love of Christ to all we encounter. Help us to learn our neighbors' names. Lord, go with us this week. Be our light onto our path. Be a revealing mirror. And be nourishing milk to us. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.